Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Sauce in the City. Today I'm with my good friend from high school, Ramsey Shindell. Thanks so much for being here. You're the first person I've had on here who I've known beforehand and not had to randomly message on Instagram. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Excited. Okay, so why don't you just start kind of with like introducing yourself? Where are you from? How old are you? What's your story? Um, so my name is Ramsey. I'm from Miami, Florida. I'm 23 years old, and I'm currently in my last semester of school at NYU um, in Tisch Drama. So in majoring drama there? Yeah, um, acting major. So. That's awesome. So what do you do on like a daily basis, or like what are your classes like? Um, so I go to a so NYU like they split their drama program into like. It's like 12 different studios, and each studio like specializes in a different type of like acting technique or something. Um, but the one I'm in is like unique because it's not only acting, you do like playwriting, directing, um, things like that, and like uh, collaboration. Um, and so basically, every Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, I kind of figure out what my studio days are, but I have studio days where like I'll have an acting class at 9 a.m., and then like at 11, I'll have movement. And then I'll have playwriting at three. Um, so it's, it's really exciting. It's just a lot of like playing and um, mainly acting classes. But um, and then on my other days that I don't have studio, I have um, academic classes, but they're all like theater based. So like theater studies. I just did a Latinx theater studies class, which is really cool. Um, but I'm about to do my last academic class ever. Um, during J term, and then next semester I'm just in studio, which will be fun. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. So, when did you start at NYU again? Um, so, I started in 2016, I believe, in the summer of it, because my whole, like, school experience is really weird. I was at Skidmore before, and then, yeah, so lots of transferring occurred. Um, But now you're, you're, like, settled and you like it? Yes, I love it. It's amazing and do you know what you want to do once you graduate um yeah I hopefully will be acting um definitely will have to get like a survival job um but I would love to do like film and television so that's a goal we we'll definitely see that <laughs> um okay so backing backtracking we obviously both went to the same boarding school um which I have my own thoughts and opinions about my experience there mm-hmm. So let's go back to high school, and I want to hear about your experience and, you know, if you thought that going to a boarding school molded who you are today at all. Yeah. Um, So I ended up going to boarding school because, well, first of all, my brother went. He went to uh, school in the UK um, because he had a really bad middle school experience. And then I, of course, also had a really bad (laughs) middle school experience. And I was like, well, my brother got to go, so I'm going to go. And then... uh, the school that we went to was the only school in the U.S. that I applied to. I was going to go to school Me too. in England. Really? Yeah. It was the only school at all. Like, oh, only boarding school. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Like, when I applied, I feel like it was advertised or, or not advertised. Like, the way it seemed to me on tours and things was really different than mm-hmm. like, what it actually was like. And so I came into it with, like, a whole other idea of what it was going to be. Um, 
I thought it was a lot more of like a creative sort of yeah, place. like summer camp, yeah, but with academics. Exactly, everyone seemed sort of whimsical, like running around in the woods, which people did while we were there, but like not in the same way that I thought it would be. Um, and so yeah, I don't know. I think going to boarding school was like amazing in terms of like I needed my own independence because I was sort of ready for that and I wanted to be out of Miami because I just didn't like the culture there in terms of like social thing it was weird um and so that was really good for me and like not like kind of being away from my parents I feel like it gave me a better relationship with them than I would have had if I was at home um but at the school itself like I did have some trouble like feeling like I belonged there because I just sort of felt like the odd one out and like um I don't know it it was just like it was a very like sort of preppy environment I feel like yeah and even though we wouldn't expect it at first exactly and so then I came in and was like wait whoa like I feel like I would wear Doc Martens and people would be like what is that (laughs) you're so edgy exactly which I never really saw myself as being like an edgy girl you know what I mean but then I suddenly was and that which I didn't mind I was like okay cool but like at the same time it was sort of weird and then so after graduation you went to Skidmore yeah so I um went to the Skidmore London program for my first semester and then I was on campus for my second semester um, and then I took a year off, and then I went to NYU, um, and I was in global liberal studies, and then I transferred into Tisch, and that's what I got. Okay. So. And so, what about Skidmore didn't you like, like, or made you leave? So, I kind of when I applied to Skidmore, I, it was this whole like self sabotage thing. Honestly, it's a great school, but I didn't really want to go there. Mm-hmm. I was just once again with our school like I felt really pressured to just get in somewhere yeah and oh yeah I felt like they weren't supporting me with where I actually wanted to go which is like NYU um and so I was kind of like you know what I'm just gonna go to Skidmore and I played early decision and the reason I was like okay I can do this is because they have a London program and so I was like okay I'll be in the middle of nowhere yeah um and then I had made up my mind that I was gonna transfer anyways I don't know why I didn't just straight up apply but um so Skidmore London I actually really loved because um it was a super small program there was like 20 or 30 of us and I just made a really good friend group and pretty much just like dance around London for a semester yeah. like, we didn't have that many we now classes on Fridays and stuff so we could travel and it was really fun um but then I got back to Skidmore and it was freezing cold like yeah. kind of winter of New like, York middle of nowhere yeah and our our whole like friend group that I had kind of dissolved a little bit because you know we're trying to like figure out like friend groups and stuff Mm -hmm. out of the school and so I felt just like really isolated I think and it was cold and I wanted to go to NYU so I pretty much just spent most of my time like working to get good grades so that I could transfer and then spending time like in bed like cold you know like it was just kind of bleak Um, gotcha and then um, I know that you like took a, so a year off. Yeah, I took a year off. A year off. Um, do you mind like talking about that year if you want? Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, uh, I mean, it starts, I feel like the story starts like way, way back, but like, so when I was like 12 ish, 13, like I started developing the eating disorder. Um, and it, 
it kind of like while I was in high school, it was pretty bad too, but it just presented itself in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got to Skidmore, I think like being in a new environment and not having people who like knew me really well, like it kind of gave me an opportunity to like it was just all I had, sort of. Yeah. And so, um, it I just got like pretty bad, and um, so when I got back home, my parents were like, "You're not okay." Um, and so uh, they took me to like a therapist, and then I got sent to um, inpatient in Colorado. Um, and so I was there for I think I was inpatient for like three or four months, and then I was in rest for like two, and then I did PHP there for a while too, which is like daily program where you like go to apartments and then like you go to program during the day. Um, and then I spent the rest of my time that year at home doing an internship in Miami. Um, okay. sorry? No, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, definitely, like, the hardest year of my life. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, it was rough. Um, but I needed it, like, mm-hmm. so badly. Thankfully, like, I'd already applied to NYU and gotten in, and I was able to, like, defer. But I thought that they were just going to, like, not let me come back. So I was like, go ahead, like. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It was really tough, super intensive, and a lot of rules. And in a lot of ways, like, for a while, I felt like it didn't help me. Mm-hmm. It worse, at least mentally. Um, so, but it, like saved me like physically obviously and so then when I um got back home a lot of the work that actually like helped me like get better was things I sort of did on my own and like wanting to be able to go to NYU because the terms were like oh if you do well then you can go back to school and so that's sort of like like what motivated what you motivated me yeah. and so I'm really curious because like I honestly have it opened up about my own issues with food on this podcast or really at all besides on Finsta. Mm-hmm. But for me, like I feel like I developed an eating disorder earlier on, but I, I think at least it manifested from anxiety that I've already had. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's like what kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg for you? Mm-hmm. Definitely like anxiety issues my whole life. Yeah. Um, they sort of run in my family, like my dad's <laughs> very anxious. Um, and then having a rough time, like in middle school, there was some girl who like seventh grade who were very nice to me, and I think I, I just, feel that. Yeah, and I, I sort of like just beat myself up about it, and it's so, so it started in like seventh grade. Um, so yeah, I think like they always say that people with eating disorders, like it's there's like the gun and you like you need something to trigger it but it's always like loaded I guess and so yeah that makes a lot of sense I like I truly think that even if I hadn't had like a tough time in middle school later in life circumstances would have triggered it somehow um yeah because it's like you don't even realize what's happening you know it just it's something that just occurs you know and it's yeah, it's horrible. It's, yeah. I think one thing, I mean, for me, that's made it so hard. Like, I'm a very, like, this is one of the reasons I so admire you is because you're so open about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm pretty open about my mental health. I mean, now, now I talk about it a lot, but still, that is what I'm probably most insecure about. And mm-hmm. I think it's related to the fact that it's so 
not, I don't know if belittling is the right word, but it's almost like you're made into like a child again yeah. because of the way that's like, Oh, did, let's like weigh you. Let's like, you know, make sure you get all this protein in and like, this is what you're going to eat for the week. And it's like, I'm a very mature person, like pretty self-aware, I think. Yeah. So I think that's part of the reason that it's been so frustrating for me. Yeah. No, that, I mean, being in treatment, that I think is the one thing that like really is so awful. They fully take away your like autonomy and like your, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and like you're treated like a child and you're not trusted either. Mm-hmm. Which, and on one hand, I understand because like that's what has to happen in order to like heal and stuff, but it's frustrating and it's it can be demeaning and it's just it's a really tough like process and then also like with sharing about it and being open about it I think there's such stereotypes and stigma stigma, yeah and people just don't understand like unless you've had or known someone exactly well then you can that's how I mean Eleni is so good at just noticing when I'm like in a bad place and Mm -hmm. things like that because she knows so many people and then like I had to put her through the shits but and I think that is just one really great thing about like being open or like being open about it because it encourages others as as with like all mental health conditions Mm -hmm. that's the thing like I'd always wished that in high school I had seen people being like open about it and talking about it um because I didn't really have that so I kind of like wanted once I was like okay you know I'm like gonna go into recovery like I wanted to be that person for like someone you know what I mean and just like say like we can talk about this you mean they're so common and they need to be discussed so that people can understand like um so sometimes I think I'm too open about it sometimes I feel like (laughs) me too sometimes I'm like am I Carolyn Calloway like am I annoying everyone (laughs) exactly but then like I don't know it's real and it's what I'm going through and I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing that you know definitely okay kind of on a similar note when at what point do you think because it's part of like what's so debilitating about an eating disorder is that you don't really fully like recognize you have one and Mm -hmm. the the denial is like the key sign you do kind of thing when do you think you fully accepted it and then started being open about it? It's it's kind of like it's a tricky like thing because it started when I was so young that yeah. like, I kind of like eventually was I, I knew in high school, especially when like because I feel like is it okay if I like talk about certain behaviors and things? Oh yeah. Okay. I'll put it I'll put a okay so like obviously in middle school and stuff it started off as more like restricting and things like that and I think when you're doing that it's a lot easier to be like oh I'm just you know to not pay attention to it and to just sort of really be in denial about it but when I got into high school like I started purging and that's kind of when I was like this is yeah not okay um but I, I still would do the whole mental gymnastics to be like, oh, I only do this sometimes, or it's not that bad, and like, people can't tell. And I think also because I, I started, like, gaining more weight in high school, people couldn't tell, like, physically. And so yeah. I convinced myself, like, if people can't look at me and tell that I have a problem, then, like, I don't have one, which is so, like, such bullshit because eating disorders come in 
all sizes. Like you can't yeah. look at someone and know. Um, I think some of my worst times were when I looked completely normal. Yeah, so, that's so true. Um, but I think what made me like fully accept it was um, when I got to college, like midway through, like so many. I started getting a lot of messages from people and. Um, my girlfriend at the time was really concerned and um I think basically it was weird because I I I feel like I finally got like that like validation or whatever that like I think the eating disorder brain like kind of like craves on it like in a certain way because it's like oh like if people can't tell I'm sick that I'm not you know what I mean so finally having people like say that made me kind of go whoa like um like have a reality check yeah but I even still, like, I remember, like, going into treatment, like, my first day there, like, I was, like, I shouldn't be here, like, I've been here so much worse, like, I could, I should be so much sicker, like, nothing's yeah. wrong with me, like, it's all relative, yeah, so that was really tough, um, and, like, sometimes still, like, obviously I'm doing very, like, well in recovery, and I don't ever, like, want to be back to where I was, but sometimes my brain will, like, do those things, and like, you never, like, have sex, like, you never, the problem will be that bad, you know? Yeah, it's definitely, I feel like, a thing that you never fully recover from, but you, like, will have to deal with the rest of your life and just have the yeah. necessary tools. Exactly. It's about, for me, it's just about, like, daily, like, maintenance and just, like, doing what I can each day. Um, because it, eating disorders are so sneaky, and they will just try to find their way back in, like in every way possible so just like knowing I think like that's something that um I've really like grown I feel like recently with like the past few months it's like I've been able to like recognize like what is the eating disorder voice versus like what is my own voice a lot more because I used to be like oh it's just me it's just my head and I'm making up these rules and these things for me but like no like when my brain says like don't ever don't do this like that's not me yeah it's 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 like something completely outside, like outside of you. Exactly. And I think that's what, for me, what made me realize it, or I guess, I mean, I definitely slowly began to in like 2018 or so, like after I graduated, but specifically after taking medication for anxiety and like addressing that and seeing like how much of a, like my, my like, the anxiety was not myself. It was like a completely other thing. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is completely affecting how I see food, how I see myself, like how I control, like use this as a controlling mechanism and like to keep order. Mm-hmm. And just having that awareness was what put me in the place I'm like in now and still working on, but mm-hmm can kind of take a step back and say objectively, like, as you said, like, who's saying this right now? Like, why are you thinking this? Mm-hmm. And what's crazy too is like, even disorders, like people don't realize that like, they, they work as a coping mechanism. Like, yeah, they, they, they're functional and people, people um, develop them like in order to cope with anxiety or to have like control, like whatever. Like, it's not just like something. It's not, it's so more like, it's not just, oh, like, I, like, the whole body dysmorphia, like, looking in the mirror, thinking you're big. It's like, no, I don't want to get big. Yeah. Or, like, I need to control this because other things are not 
like I can't do anything about them. I think for me, like something I really realized in therapy and stuff was how much it serves as like a distraction from like the chaos of my life. Because if I'm not doing, like, if I feel like my career is not on track or if I'm not doing well in school, like I can just ignore everything and I have my like eating sort of focus on and that brings me a sense of like calm and like a sense of like um like success I think that like I where it's like lacking elsewhere in my life and also yeah. like oh sorry um, no, no no I was definitely agreeing yeah and I have like ED and I think because I'm so messy and can be like so chaotic and like from here to here like the eating disorder acts as something that sort of like slows me down like mentally and like calms everything and like makes me able to just like focus on like one thing mm-hmm. and so that was something like I really listened to therapy and was like whoa yeah um, I love yeah. therapy um so this is I kind of shifted gears but mm-hmm. one thing that I thought was great and I remember like following back whenever you were in Colorado was like how you showed your like current life and current situation through Finsta. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about social media as kind of a vehicle for therapy and how you use it. So I guess the first question I have is how would you define a Finsta? (laughs) Oh my God. I actually did um, my first year at NYU when I was in a different program, I did a whole project on finsta oh i would love to um, do that that would be like the only thing i'd ever want to write <laughs> it was so much fun um but i don't know i feel like it varies from person to person there's like people have very different types like I know exactly some people just drop like straight memes or like pictures they don't want to post on their instagram and that's it and then there's people like me who will just i use it as like a diary you know? mm-hmm. i just write like whatever i'm feeling with like an irrelevant picture it's it's basically like the pictures are irrelevant it's just like the captions you know yeah and I just go on tangents I feel like I haven't um like I used to really use Finsta a lot more than I do now I think like when I'm not doing as well I'm like you can tell because my Finsta is just Same. like mine was like oh super funny carefree and then we'll be like a series of just pictures me crying like yeah <laughs> but it's like it's it's good to like I feel like the difference between like offense and like a diary is like you at least have like a curated group of people who you can share these things with you know what I mean so it's mm-hmm. like it's a diary but also at the same time like I have like support or at least someone knows what's going on which yeah feels good one thing I even found I mean specifically related to like my struggles and my eating disorder was it was almost gave me a, a sense of like accountability mm-hmm. because by sharing it it's like okay these people have done this so I like I trusted them and I'm gonna do them right like Mm -hmm. by working on it whereas if it's just me writing in a diary I can turn the page and pretend I never wrote it down exactly yeah that's for sure accountability is a huge huge. thing um yeah I rant a lot about my eating syndrome and stuff and I feel like that is like accountability is one thing that I've really gained from it um yeah, and also just, like, posting pictures that, like, I think are cute, but, like, I don't want to post on, like, yeah. Insta. I'm like, here you go. Enjoy. <laughs> How do you decide who can follow you? So, it's really, it's funny, because I've had my Finsta since 2012, so it's, like, very much, like, an amalgamation of, like, random people I've met, like, <laughs> throughout life, but I feel like um, it's mainly just, like, close, like, in-real-life friends, and then 
a lot of people from the internet, like, that I met on Twitter in high school, because I was, like, a huge part of, like, drag scan Twitter and stuff, um, so a lot of those people, and then sometimes, like, people I'll meet that I know in real life, but, like, don't know very well, but it's, like, they're far away enough that they're not too close where they could, like, yeah, use it against you. Exactly. If it's fucked up enough to do that. Yeah, I mean, there are people out there, but, um... (laughs) Yeah, so, I don't know, I, I think I have, like, 700 followers on this Instagram, which is, like, crazy. Uh, oh, wait, actually, no, it's, like, too lucky. I follow 700 people. I also use my Finsta as, like, an account to, like, follow every oh, random so person in the world. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. It's almost like people, or, like, your close friends are the people you trust. I don't know, it's hard to explain, like, at least the people I let follow me, it's, like, a bunch of younger people who are, like, okay i'm telling you my life but like don't share this don't screenshot it exactly and also i feel like there's some people that i follow on finsta who i don't know very well in real life but i feel like i've gotten to know them through their finsta exactly and like we'll comment on each other's stuff and i feel like we're kind of weirdly friends like i've been seeing you in like years but i feel like i've talked to you yesterday yeah exactly (laughs) and then do your followers as in like whether they be like close friends or you're not so close friends ever reach out to you when you have like a post that's particularly like intense or yeah um definitely it it sort of depends on like what era of my life I'm in because I feel like the more there is like the less people will reach out if that makes sense because they're like oh there's they're just going through it but I feel like when it's more out of the blue then I do tend to get like people reaching out to me um usually just like like my best friend Matt um she always sees myself and she'll message me but um I don't know I feel like a few years ago like when I was like really struggling I I got a lot um more but it sounds like I just contradicted myself but um like in like 2015 2016 but now if I'm going through like a rough period people aren't as concerned about me they're like oh I'm just just like a mess but like so I don't get as many people reaching out but um I don't know I feel like Lately, I've just been posting such stupid, like, pictures with dogs and stuff, and, like, I don't know, just, I, I like to, it's almost like Twitter sometimes for me, I'll, like, think of something I want to tweet, but, like, I don't think it's funny enough particularly for so Twitter, like, I'll just make it a caption on Finsta. Do, do you ever have people reaching out asking for advice for themselves kind of thing? All the time, yeah, but mostly on, um, my, like, actual Instagram, mm-hmm. I get a lot of people, um, who found me from TikTok who will message me um and also like people on twitter too um mostly like younger like like a lot of teenagers actually will message me either for like coming out advice or like things like that or just to tell me that I helped them with that or people asking for like eating disorder advice and sometimes that's like tricky because I'm like I'm not really a therapist so I feel like Mm -hmm. I can't really give people exactly what they want to hear or really like, need to hear yeah but um I try to do my best and just like tell them what I wish someone would have said to me mm-hmm. um so that's really awesome it's like the same thing I feel like once I started being a little bit open on my real Instagram it like opened the door for people to see me as someone they could go to mm-hmm. it's like I don't know it's it's almost like letting people in by like making yourself vulnerable yeah for sure which and it's really hard at first but then I feel like the more you do it it's just like yeah and then I'm like am I being annoying but I'm like, okay I don't care exactly 
doesn't matter. Um, yeah, and I also like like on TikTok and stuff. I make a lot of jokes. I feel like and I should. Dude, um, so funny. <laughs> I was watching it with Letty over Christmas. <laughs> Sometimes it's really embarrassing, honestly. But I feel like when you like are able to like make light mm-hmm. of the things you're going through, then that also allows people to like come to you and talk to you in a way that like maybe if they don't feel comfortable because like in a very vulnerable way they can come through like with humor um so I think it makes it more relatable I think yeah for sure and just like more lighthearted and like, easy to talk about um so I feel like that's like a huge thing with coping I feel like humor like yeah exactly like make, yeah exactly how you said making light out of it or light of it mm-hmm. light of it. yeah I'm not sure so one thing I I talked to um, a comedian about is like how comedians use you know comedy as their means of therapy or like to mm-hmm. self like p-fades and talking about like how depressed he is and things like that mm-hmm. do you think that it's better for people to be like overly open about their lives on whether it be instagram or instagram mm-hmm. or more reserved I mean, I feel like it just depends on the person. I agree. And I feel like it depends on how they how they go about it because I feel like sometimes, like, you, I feel like you have to be responsible in the way that you share and even with, like, humor, like, when making jokes about something you struggle with, like, you have to frame it in a way that's not going to harm other people. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like, especially with, like, eating disorder recovery, I feel like it's very easy to post things about your recovery that can be triggering to others. Yeah. And on one hand, like, I do think you should just be candid and be able to share your story, but at the same time, like, make sure that other people who are struggling who see that aren't going to take it as something that will fuel their eating disorder. Like, I feel like, um, like, before and after pictures, those get posted a lot on, mm-hmm. like, Insta and Twitter and stuff, and I I feel I have really mixed feelings about them because I feel like on one hand, like, you should be proud of yourself and, like, the changes your body's gone through or physically or mentally, but, like, on the other hand, like, I know for a fact that, like, when I was doing really poorly, like, I would see pictures like that and they would just trigger me and I would... Yeah, you have to just, like, be mindful of how maybe your past self would see it or just, like, anyone you care about. Exactly, for sure. I also think, that, and the same goes with comedy, like, it shouldn't be a substitute for therapy. Oh, yeah. Like, no, not at all. Like, in addition to, like, posting something. Like, I remember telling my therapist how I just posted something. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's, like, I feel like I just, you know, opened the door for other people to come to me. It was a big moment. I was like, what? <laughs> but, I, yeah, that's definitely something I've gone back and forth about for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so now my, like, last section of questions before I um, ask you some deep ones is, what is TikTok? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Can you explain what it is? Because you have like what, like 50,000 followers or something? No, I have like 36.5k or something like that. That's insane. It's really weird. Okay, but like right now I'm shadow banned, I think, which is like where people don't see my content because TikTok's like super homophobic and like, yeah, it's it's messed up. They've like openly admitted to it that they like censor. Um, Is it because it's like a younger crowd? I honestly, I have no idea. It's it's a mess. They censor like apparently, um, like LGBT people, like people of color. Um, yeah, like it's it's a mess. Um, it's so, crazy. Yeah, and it's it's difficult because it's like a platform that I really enjoy. Like, so basically, what is TikTok? It's just like it's kind of like Vine. It's like Vine on steroids. Yeah, getting sucked into it. Exactly. It's just never ending. Um, 
And I think, like, I downloaded it as a joke, which everyone does. And then one day I was like, hey, maybe I'll make one. And then I got a sliver of, like, attention. I was like, oh, I actually really like this. And so then I kept making them. Um, And, yeah, I like it because you can really do anything with it. You can, like, make jokes. You can, I don't know, post, like, a video of yourself singing. Like, you can take, like, outfit, like, videos. Like, literally the world is your oyster with TikTok. Someone Um, described it as, like, a... A video memes kind of if that makes sense yeah yeah which exactly. is pretty spot on because mm-hmm. it just like a minute or however long you are allowed of a joke yeah as opposed to just a picture and a caption exactly and there's a lot of like tiktok trends where like people will take a format of like a joke and then people will make their own mm-hmm. like a meme. yeah exactly so yeah like a meme um that's so <laughs> just funny. with like audios and stuff so, like different songs and things like that yeah like the da- do you know any of the dances oh yeah i know like all the dances oh my gosh i've been trying to learn like the renegade one i don't that is like the one i don't know because i'm not so it's so fast it's so fast it literally just like, <laughs> like you look ridiculous but I'm still determined to learn more. I feel way too old too to learn to be Everyone's like 16 and I'm like, oh my god, I'm like 23. It's okay, I'm, I'm like in my office, like just scrolling and seeing whatever that girl's name is, Charlie something. Oh my gosh, yeah. Even though she's, I was like, how are you 16? I know, it's hard. Um, Good for her though, getting her money. Like, yeah, seriously. I wish I could just dance, like, and well, get like 35,000 followers you could be like selling fat fit funds <laughs> like <laughs> and like i don't know how you like swipe up because that i don't know how it works um okay i'm gonna take a quick break and then ask you the last couple of questions cool okay so i always end the podcast by asking a series of questions that i find i don't know they're interesting your responses from mm-hmm. so the first question is What's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Ooh, okay. I mean, obviously, like, we talked about it, but I, I just think, like, my recovery, like, mm-hmm. journey. Um, and I, I think, like, being in treatment and having um, such, like, going through such physical and mental pain at the same time and just, like, sort of knowing that, like, if I can get through that, like I can really get through anything. anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think transferring, um, when I transferred into like drama, um, I was, at first I was really nervous and really shy and was like, Oh, I can't do this. Then I was like, wait a minute. Like I just went through a year of like insanity and now I'm here like acting like, of course I can do this. Like, like I got this. And so I think it's just translated into my confidence in like every other aspect of my life. Cause like, I know I'm like strong. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? Oh my gosh. That's right. That's the music all the time. Is it retrospect is 2020 or like, yeah, and hindsight. Hindsight 2020. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. yeah, proud of you. Thank you. Do you believe everything happens for a reason? Um, I, okay. I don't think everything happens for a reason necessarily. Like, I do think things are random, but I think everything has a way of like working itself out, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, I don't know. But, it's sort of like the whole like butterfly effect thing is crazy. Like one thing will lead to another. Um, like what is that? Oh, so it's like, uh, for example, like if I like five years ago, if I hadn't like 
swiped right on this person. I wouldn't have like talked to them who and then met their friend who like now is my good friend. You know what I mean? Like all the little things that little add tiny up. things that add up. So I, I, they're random and I don't think they're sorry, the, the original question was Does <laughs> everything happen for a reason? For reason. Um so I don't necessarily think there's like a reason per se, but I think like it gets confusing yeah but like I I do think like things have a way of working themselves out and like the whole like domino effect was like really interesting and like looking back on my life like things have been like really chaotic and but I think that like some of my some of like the worst things have created some of the best things yeah so like like going to treatment like had I not gone there I would have been in a different year at NYU and then not made my specific friends that I have and like so I don't know that's I have to think about that because and also I think looking in like the reverse something can be taken from everything that you do Mm -hmm. and a lesson can be learned yeah and it's kind of like what you do with it and as you said like things eventually like make you like yeah that happened and was shitty but it made you a stronger person now and like not having to deal with something that you would have had to deal with when you were like 40 yeah, exactly. So I guess, like, things, yeah, they do happen for a reason, but maybe, like, for, like, a personal reason, not, like, a not like predetermined. A, exactly, not, like, like, destiny or something. Yeah, exactly. Okay, if a crystal ball could tell you anything about yourself, your life, your future, or anything else, what would it be? Oh, my God. Um, will I have an acting career? <laughs> for sure. I'm sure you will. Thank you. I'm, like, that's, like, the one thing that I'm, like, terrified about because it's just, like, such a hard industry to get into and it's so like based on luck timing and connections and so um yeah basically that I I think like things will work themselves out but I think there's such a sense of like uncertainty with that that mm-hmm. like if I could just know basically it would like take a weight off your chest yeah for sure do you have a quote or a mantra that you live by oh. or like a favorite quote oh god um I don't know I that's not like one that like comes to like the top of my head um I think something that I I do think about a lot though is like really at the end of the day like nothing actually truly matters because in like a couple hundred years like we're all gonna be dead and gone like so might as well just do whatever like do what scares you do like what brings you joy like have fun just because like nothing actually matters but I take it in like a a positive way you know what I mean yeah as in like don't waste your energy on like little things and allocate your time to things that make you happy exactly and just sort of like also like like I'll I'll get embarrassed by like the person that I am or like talking to people I'll like feel like like um insecure about like who I am and then I'm like wait a minute like this truly does not matter this is so inconsequential so like just whatever just do it just do it nike (laughs) wait when's your birthday um april 18th you an aries yes money's an aries really what is it like i don't really know much about aries do do you know Aries are like crazy um (laughs) we're like very um well i guess tauruses or something but aries are also like really stubborn we're very like loud chaotic we cannot always think we're like right um but we're like the first people to sort of like rumble and like yeah um, and like leaders right leaders for sure okay yeah um 
Yeah, I don't know. I love astrology. Me too. I'm an Aries rising, so I oh, kind of think that's interesting because it means like I come off like very confident. Yeah. But I'm like a Virgo. Oh my god, my mom's Virgo. <laughs> oh my god, I'm such a like such a Virgo. I can completely that relate makes, to everything. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. My mom is such a Virgo too, so like I, I see that. I'm a Scorpio rising. I can um, see that too. <laughs> a Taurus moon which balances me out because Taurus is just like wanting to get in their sweatpants and like enjoy the finer things in life at home <laughs> just what it, what would like a Capricorn moon do that's what I am um so Cap's like I don't I don't know that many um I know a lot of like Cap I have a lot of Capricorn friends mm-hmm. but I don't really know much about the sign they're yeah. all different so it's kind of yeah. confusing I don't really know, honestly. I, I actually just recently, from TikTok, made one of my first Capricorn friends. So I'll have to, like, I'll record Girl her or him. Yeah. Um, but I know that your moon, like, regulates, like, your inner, like, what makes you, like, comfortable and, like, sort of, like, your inner inner self. So Thank God I'm not a Virgo. Okay. What do you love most about yourself? Ooh. Okay. Um... I think that I have a very, like, hmm, I, like, know what it is, but, like, I don't know how to really verbalize it. I guess I, I think I have sort of, like, a, like, I maybe, like, a zest and a sparkle in me, but, oh, God, <laughs> I have a sparkle in me. No, but, like, I think I have, like, a, a way of, like, making my life fun and special and, like, beautiful even in the most like mundane situations like I feel like I I have like a habit of like trying to make my life feel like a movie type thing and I don't know I think I really like appreciate like like my apartment like I it's just full of like dumb tchotchkes and like sparkly things Mm -hmm. and coats and I think I like um I have a way of like finding like joy and happiness in like wherever I'm at um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and just like I also think I have like a good sense of humor about things. Like even in like the worst times, like I'm, I kind of I, I find a way to laugh. Yeah, um, I mean, if you can like post funny videos like while you're in going through the worst year of your life, like that says a lot. And and you definitely I feel like brings like make a lot of other people happy just by like being present. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. I need to like more of that in my life okay and then finally my final question name the podcast how do you find solace in the city okay a few things one having like a place that like brings me comfort and for me that's the coffee shop around the corner from my apartment um it's called boris and Hoden, and it's a dog cafe and so where is it it's um it's on 12th street okay um and it's, like, so half of it is, like, a dog cafe, and the other half is, like, you get your coffee and stuff, and they have really good like, lavender lattes and stuff. And there's just dogs everywhere. Oh, so and cute. I go there with my friends, and I just, like, sit and drink coffee and, like, I don't know. It, it's a place that, like, even if I'm there alone, like, I don't really feel lonely because it's super just, like, warm. Love that. And, yeah, and then also this is, like, my top favorite thing to do is on, like, Friday or Saturday nights. Um, Olivia, you know Olivia, my roommate, and then our like best friend Nat. We drink wine and we watch Hairspray 2007, best rendition of Hairspray, and we eat soup. And that's like we just like sing and dance and um 
pick one, eat soup. And it's so just like, I don't know. Those are the moments when I just fully do not feel alone. Like I just, yeah. So I love that. That's great. And I, I feel like I see some, I always see like you guys doing your funny dances and, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, that looks fun. Like I want to be like doing that right now instead of watching Bravo <laughs> in bed. You should come over for one of our wine nights. <laughs> I'm so down. Yeah, it'd be fun. All right, Ramsey, thank you so much for letting me interview and being so open and honest always and especially on the podcast. Where can everyone find you on Instagram, TikTok? Okay. <laughs> Are you going to get in the TikTok game? Start yes. off with Ramsey. <laughs> so um, on Insta, I'm at Gardein Girl, which is like Gardein Chicken Nuggets, the vegan ones. So G-A-R-D-E-I-N-G-R-L. On uh, TikTok, I'm Lexapro Lesbian. Um, and on Twitter, I'm Lexapro underscore lesbian. So that's that's it. I think that's all the socials. Yeah. Nice. And then you guys can't know her Finsta, because that's for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm select. All right. Um, thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>